0: So are we celebrating or mourning? We're starting off great. Long, awkward pause. Yes, I am ready. Are you ready?
1: Yes. And what What are you ready for?
0: I'm ready for episode nine of Sense8. What's it called? It's called Death Doesn't Let You Say Goodbye.
1: That's very happy.
0: Yes, just like this episode. The happiest mm-hmm. episode the happiest so episode. far in Sense8, which is really saying something.
1: And the most action-packed.
0: It's so action-packed.
1: Yes, that's what I would say about this episode. Mm. Every time I watch it, I get to the end of it. I think think. what do you think
0: I think action because there's a gun at the end of it that's true oh or is there
1: I think I don't think anything actually happened in this episode
0: Yep. no I agree with that no that's not true nothing action happened in this episode Yes, yes but a lot of a lot of emotions happened
1: but compared to the previous two
0: yeah oh my gosh this one is like a cakewalk of sad emotions yes that works, right?
1: Less stress. Yeah. More sadness. True. <laughs> As a result, it is one of my favorites. Really? Yes. Ah. Because it's just nothing but emotions. Yeah. For an hour.
0: I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. I don't hate it. In fact, there there is one sequence that I dearly love, which we will get to. But I suppose we should dive in. What what character do you want to start with?
1: We can start with. Lido.
0: You want to start with Lido? Yes. Alright, let's do it. So, what is Lido doing this episode?
1: Lido has been broken up with mm. by Hernando. It's true. And he's ashamed. Yeah. I presume. He he's doesn't seem very happy about he's it. He's being a dick about it, too. He's, he's yeah, well, actually, I forgot. He so starts, starts out starts in the bar. So, starts
0: with yeah. him in a bar drinking, and he is talking to the bartender talking more like rambling at him i don't think they like are in an initiated like conversation too much
1: most importantly the bartender asks him if he is celebrating or mourning and he says celebrating, celebrating which is just but he says it it's not true but his eyes say mourning no,
0: and no. so does his voice
1: he's not being a very good actor no. at this moment
0: yeah it's actually very sad he's very mopey and rightfully so And the bartender, as he's going on and on about feeling like he leads two lives, is like, well, I don't know what it's like to be famous, but I, too, can relate to (laughs) this. And then we get another movie title from Leto's filmography, which is called The Mirror Has No Heart. Yes. The Mirror Has No Heart.
1: The bartender has seen. Yes.
0: Yes. And it is is one where uh, Leto's evil twin is trying to kill him.
1: Which is either... It's not the same one that he just did. No, because. So he plays twins a lot, apparently.
0: Is he twins in the one he's filming right now?
1: No, but at the start. uh, (gasps) Oh, my God. The movie is about twins.
0: Whoa. Wait a second.
1: Because he's worried that they can't the twins apart. Well,
0: no. Oh, my God. Wait, no, you're right. Because, wait, are you talking about when he's talking to the director and being like, which one do you think the audience will know? Or is it when. He would take Stanley to the movie premiere of that.
1: This one he takes her to the premiere. <sighs> afterwards, he says, "I gotcha. uh, was worried the audience couldn't tell."
0: Wow. Well, they could, uh, because bartender was a big fan. I just made that a connection that well, that was the same mo- it it's a movie. It might not be the same. Is it?
1: They have different titles.
0: What was the title of the other one?
1: Oh, I don't remember the title of the first one, but it's I not that near. thing. go back
0: in my lo- notes and look. This is like a huge discovery Okay, so he's been typecast as a a twin
1: Yeah, an evil twin Uh
0: Anyway, uh, the point of this whole conversation Is the bartender says I understand what it feels like to have a secret life And then proceeds to like Hit on Leto And tell him that he wants to do terrible and wonderful things to him It's bold It's bold, but you know It's flattering And unfortunately Leto does not take it well No and he uh, he calls him a word that is not great. And it's very upsetting. And I remember the first time I watched it, I was like, Oh, Leto, you are in denial and spiraling, and you are just lashing out, and that is not okay.
1: He's pretty surprising. It's probably it's, yeah. his ugliest moment.
0: I would wholeheartedly agree yes, with, that. Yeah. And with that. And that's, just, well, him letting Danny go back to Joaquin as an ugly... Yeah. But it's less of a choice for him. He's just like, I'm not going to stop you. But yeah, this one is bad because he makes the decision to use that word.
1: Actively cruel. Yes. For no reason, really. That's horrible.
0: Yeah. I hate it. (laughs) It upsets me. I I remember whenever we show it to someone, they're always really shocked that he uses that word. Not Lido. Yeah. Because not only is he, like, using that word, but he's like being re- really mean to the bartender on top of that mm-hmm. he just like turns on him and it's like it's already really hard to ask somebody out apparently it's not very hard for this bartender to do it because he was just pretty confident about it but like there's a there's a nice way to turn people down <laughs> and Leo did not do it that way and he went a step further and crossed a line so well,
1: he also does it specifically because he thinks Be- someone's gonna see him yeah yeah
0: it's awful it's just like, stop denying who you are, Lito. Anyway, so he does that. And then I believe he just spends the rest of the episode. Uh, he goes to a museum. Yeah, he goes to the, the museum. The Diego Rivera Museum. And it's a really cute flashback scene uh, with Hernando uh, on their first date together. And he takes him to the museum. And surprise, Hernando's a really good like museum tour guy. <laughs> an unofficial one. And so he's talking to Lido about art and art like love should be free and and just kind of giving back history to some of the murals in there and you know it's just Lito kind of remembering like why he fell in love with Hernando in the first place is like Hernando is just so passionate and excited and and curious about everything and so open about it and yet this is the start of their relationship Um, and he's immediately after that he tells, like, Hernando, like, hey, if we're going to be together, this is the way it has to be. And Hernando yeah, was okay true. with it up until, you know, the events with Danny. So, um, it's kind of a cute moment, I would mm-hmm. say. But it, it it's also uh, a nicely placed scene because um, Lido gets to share that memory, that experience with Nomi.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's the first time that they meet. And I love how, like, last episode where son and, and will officially meet and even is to an extent with the escape for nomi um it's met with you know wonder but also they already kind of instinctively know who they are yeah so um when leto sat at the museum and nomi's you know back has fled back to her apartment
1: so um, she is alone
0: she is alone as well and she says that she's sad and thinking about Amanita and wondering if their life will ever be the same. Um, now that all of these events have happened to her, and then all of a sudden she sees Lito. So there's kind of a, you know, a link there, mm-hmm. for why they see each other. Um, but it's also a nice moment because she goes, "You're Lito," and he goes, "You're Nomi," and and it's, um, I think the first time a sensei has been like, they just know who they are without having to introduce each other. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. But it's also a really beautiful scene because, you know, Leto gets to talk about Hernando and why he's feeling sad and how he feels like a coward and a fake. And then uh, Nomi tells him an even more depressing story.
1: Yes, this is Nomi's big scene. Yeah. I I think of it sort of like she comes in and steals it from (laughs) Leto. Yeah, which is Um, not
0: easy to do, by the way. Yeah. Um, Just because, like, Leto is one of the lighter, more comedic characters. So when something genuinely sad happens to him it's not often and usually it's it's treated a little bit with more um comedy but i think this is the 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 lowest point he's ever gonna hit in the series for his own character arc uh, at least for this season Uh and so you know it's the first time you see him like genuinely devastated and sad and it's not to say that He is bad at acting that. Those scenes, he's wonderful in them. But Nomi definitely takes the cake. So, I guess we could talk about her story. Uh,
1: There is one more thing. but Mainly she just talks. Because Leto is telling her. He tells her about Hernando. But he also tells her about the situation in general. Mm -hmm. A little bit. And explains more explicitly what they basically already know, I think. That's what's interesting about it. uh, About why he feels like he can't... Yeah, he know, can't get
0: the parts that he wants and yeah. be a gay man, which is shit.
1: And that's that's sad. So he's sort of this nice nostalgic thing first mm-hmm. with Hernando that's kind of sweet. And he's really just reminiscing and then briefly talking about how much he wishes it could be like that again. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's sad, but it's kind of a sweet scene, though. Yeah. And then hers is... <laughs> The story up sad. is much more uh, depressing. Maybe he puts it in perspective for Lido as well. Yeah. Just about how she was, uh, her father attempted to force her to be like him and be like the other boys, essentially. Yeah. And, and go to the swimming club. Yeah. And then uh, they f- burned her with the um, shower. Hot water. Yeah, the yeah. hot water. And how that made her realize that it. Doesn't really matter what other people think of you as long as you can feel proud of your own actions, essentially, yeah. and who you are.
0: And another uh, kind of a realizing or coming terms t- with the idea that y- you shouldn't try to fit in if it's doing damage to who you are as a person. Yeah. And so for that moment, she's like, I stopped trying to fit in, and I decided I was just going to lead my own life and be myself. And Leto has not gotten there obviously
1: so leto seems to be beginning to understand the idea that uh the career he's always wanted won't be worth much if he feels this bad about yeah. himself yeah. the whole time it's happening yeah uh i really like the part where she's having her flashback and yeah. then leto yells out at the kids yeah like he's there yeah. Uh, it's done really well.
0: Yeah. It's horrifying, too. But her speech is fantastic. I feel like there's a lot of really good lines and speeches overall in this whole episode. This but episode is, is a mostly
1: highlight. a series of talking one-on-one conversations. Yeah. Um, and I think almost all of them are just emotional, character-based conversations, too. There's a little mm-hmm. bit of exposition in there, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that's why it's so technically not much happens because it's like they're all finally sitting down and saying like we got to know each other most of us we've seen each other and everything but now we're sharing deeper darker secrets that really matter to us essentially
0: yeah Yeah, it's giving them a moment to kind of breathe and and feel out everything that's happened to them and even reflect even further back for that Mm -hmm. and just be like hey these are the choices that i've made and yeah
1: so i think this is really the standout scene of the episode also it takes a large chunk of the episode it does if you go from you know leto's hernando memories to nomi's whole thing i bet that's probably like 15 minutes of material right there yeah and nomi's whole story and conclusion of it feels like it's sort of a thesis for the whole show almost yeah <laughs> about how you should treat yourself and others yeah and so i think this is a big moment of the themes really clicking into place mm-hmm. when i first watched sensate i thought that this episode and essentially the next 3 the entire rest of the season yeah was basically perfect in terms of its flow and its uh, execution execution and that was the point that that happened Mm -hmm. uh everything is really locked in by the end of the previous episode as far as the setup for this final act Mm -hmm. and then all of this stuff works basically
0: yeah i agree
1: so that's what lido and nomi are doing and essentially the other thing that happens to nomi is that uh Aminita shows home. back up at her house looking for her. Yeah. And they're briefly, uh, happily, at least together, <laughs> if nothing yeah. else.
0: Yeah, they're upset that, you know, they're they're in this situation and they don't, they realize very quickly that they can't go stay with close personal family yeah. friends because they're putting them in danger, so they, they got to come up with a, another Another plan, another exit strategy. Um, uh, so they're, they're just kind of essentially discussing that. And then Lito, after his discussion with Nomi in the museum, uh, <laughs> goes on a bit of a bender. Yes. Um, but before that, I want to like briefly put in, uh, even though it's a really beautiful, well-written, emotional scene, it always makes me giggle whenever Lito's just like explaining his first kiss with Hernando to Nomi because I'm like, on one hand they've technically just met but he's just like oh, let me tell you how it went down <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's funny because it's like it's so beautiful and it's really well shot and you're like it's getting hot in here hello but like Naomi's like I get it and it's funny because those are the um, I believe those are the two characters that have actually officially met and interacted out of everyone in the orgy scene
1: Oh, it's Yeah. I think, because Lido
0: hasn't met Will in well, later, yeah. And Nomi... Well, that's not true. Nomi has met Will. So I take that back. Okay. But I guess it's, like, the first time they're talking about something other than, like, BPO? Yeah. Um.
1: Well, a lot of what Nomi has been doing in terms of interaction is yeah. about... Figuring out the yes. secret evil plots.
0: <laughs> yes. I guess, yeah, that's... I guess that's what I'm trying to say. This is the first time where she actually gets to visit one of the sunsates, and it gets to be, like, a, a big emotional character scene. Yeah.
1: Well, this is why this is a big part for Nomi, too, because, mm-hmm. I mean, she's had quite a lot of uh, pretty intense material, mm-hmm. in that she spent the first four episodes yeah, in a screaming, hospital. terrified in hospital and everything, Yeah. Uh, and then she spent the next four on the run, mm-hmm. but I think... Those are all... Those are all reactions to things happening around her. Yes. As a result of Nomi being so quickly thrown into the fire like that, she is the only sensate that it really takes her until now to get a chance to not be actively worried about something or working on something and right. get to basically hang out and talk for a while to someone yes. just about her herself and yeah, yeah. how she's feeling. Yeah. Uh, and... I was fully convinced by her as an actress after this episode when we first watched. Mm-hmm. Because it really is th- the real test, in a way, of this big, very right, important yeah. monologue. Yeah. And you're you're watching something for the first time and you're getting used to everyone. And some people are easier to like than others, like Lido because he's, he's silly, you know. He's
0: charismatic, too. And
1: uh, others you sort of are on the fence about until... Something will happen And this is a very big moment for her I think
0: Yeah, agreed um, So yeah, that's pretty much her storyline wrapped up And then Lito, like <laughs> I said, goes on a bender uh, He makes margaritas The way, you know, everyone should a Where he doesn't even bother with a glass yeah. He just chugs it with a pitcher um, He loses his flip-flop he Which doesn't. I think is the funniest <laughs> thing, Because it's like Again, this is a really big Low point for him Um, And he got to have that emotional scene with Nomi, and then they do this really nice job of balancing, you know, he's an inherently, like, silly, kind of fun-loving character, and they're Mm -hmm. able to incorporate that in his the scene with him you know completely devastated and drinking and doing literally all the things you shouldn't do if you've just been broken up with (laughs) which is call that person until their their voicemail box is actually completely full and it's 100 percent your fault
1: by the way hernando has the most strangely seductive voicemail yeah he's like
0: this is hernando (laughs) now you speak and i was like "Ooh, what do i say now it's weird i'm gonna do that I'm not going to use my name, though. It's going to be, this is Hernando, (laughs) now you speak (laughs) for my new voicemail.
1: Yeah, I think this scene sums up why Leto is a great character, essentially. Yeah. And and why he has a particular appeal uh, in that he can be in this scene and probably none of the other sensates could be in this scene, where you can watch the whole thing just thinking that he is hilarious and ridiculous, but at the same time, it's still... Sad. It's devastating. You're, you're, thinking, you know, sympathy. Yeah,
0: and especially with the gun at the end, because there are obviously funny moments, like when he loses his flip flop yeah. and he's crying about losing his flip flop, and you know he's spilling all over himself, and um he keeps calling Hernando, and then it gets to a point where he pulls out a gun, and you're like, oh shit. Where did this gun come from? Hey, where did this gun come from? And then he pulls the trigger and it's a lighter. And it's like, I don't know, it's just like a perfect scene of what, like, Hernando is and how he's feeling in that moment yeah. of, it's really sad, it's really dramatic, but in the end, it manages to pull itself up a little bit. It could have gone, it could have gone really, really dark right there, but it. it it's actually... Better upon, I think, (laughs) rewatch because, like, yeah, you get really stressed out when he pulls out the gun, but then if you rewatch it, you're like, he has to know it's a lighter. (laughs) Like, he's just really dramatic and very emotional right now. Just imagining
1: his death scene. Yeah.
0: And it's just, I don't know, I love it because he kind of sums up and it ties into what Hernando told him on the first date where it's an apology, but you know kind of an anthem of uh my heart is not a clock type thing mm-hmm. uh it kind of can tie that into the very end where he's like i am a fake everything in my life is fake and very but these emotions are so real so it's just kind of this thing is of...
1: i like that he doesn't get a big drama scene either in the end because most episodes of sensei end with something really dramatic And then a cut to black or something. Yeah. And this episode is actually kind of odd. You know, he has the big dramatic gun to his mouth. It's just a lighter. He says it's a fake. Yeah. (laughs) And then he just kind of sits there and it just ends. Yeah. It's like this sad little fade out. Mm -hmm. And it's like his his big dramatic moment is not going to happen. Yeah. Until the next episode. Oh. When he (laughs) actually, you know, kicks it into gear because... He has to take action. Mm -hmm. It's like he's imagining the easy way out, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I'll just do this. It'll be so sad. Yeah. But obviously, that's not going to happen. Yeah. So So that's, that's him.
0: That's him and Nomi, mainly.
1: I always think of this episode as having two, in particular, centerpiece conversations.
0: One is emotional. One's more plot driven. Uh, actually,
1: it's not the one I was thinking. Which one are you thinking of? i was of? thinking of Cavius and Son's conversation.
0: Oh.
1: I think the episode is built around these two very heavy conversations, mm. and then yes, there is also this exposition conversation. Yeah. As well, uh, so we could talk about that first, if you want. The
0: exposition conversation. Mm. Sure. So uh, Riley and Will are pretty tied up together in this episode. Surprise surprise This mm. is going to be a trend From here on out folks Um Riley's going down To her creepy cave And Singing her little song Um And She Discovers uh, Ursa Who Is The old She's an older woman Who told her Uh When she was little That she has a hex
1: Yeah Like she told son about yeah. Earlier in episode Um Six
0: Yeah and so uh, Riley finds her, and they essentially have this conversation about eights.
1: Yeah, well, now that she's not a little girl, she realizes.
0: She's like, "You're." No, she even asks her, she's like, you're not one of the hidden people, are you? And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm like you. Yeah, with um, her new
1: information, it is pretty obvious.
0: Yes. And so uh, essentially Ursa breaks it down for her and says that um, she told the little girl that she was hexed, Because she, and she's like, why didn't you just tell me the truth? And Ursa has the interesting line of, she's like, because I need you to believe me that you are in danger and that you're not safe here. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because like going for the truth is sounds so insane that it wouldn't be believable, but instead going for like a curse that works, that does the trick. Um, So they have a discussion about, and we do get closer to more of an explanation, not the full story, uh, of some trauma that Riley experienced in the mountains.
1: Yes, because Ursa says that she saved her Yeah. Uh, by uh, sending a helicopter. Yeah,
0: um, she saved her by sending a helicopter uh, in the mountains, and uh, because... And Riley's like, I wanted to die. And you're like, what is happening?
1: And as we will discuss at this point, it's honestly pretty obvious what happened. For some reason, it, we, we feel didn't really get stupid. it. stupid.
0: Yeah. Because there's, there's shots of Riley in the mountains. She, her hair is different. She is clearly with a baby.
1: Well, she I is, think that's oh. the part that maybe you could miss because it's like a... It's a quick Two shot. to three second shot. Yeah, but she's you holding see something. Her and then looking then she's, down. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And she's, like, lying on the ground, and you're just like, oh, my God, you feel really stupid. <laughs> Maybe we
1: were distracted by the really, really big vistas of Iceland Yeah, which are
0: beautifully shot, by the way. Um, so they, they talk about Riley's past and, you know, hinting at some severe trauma that happened to her. And then Ursa's like, you you really need to leave. You can't come back here. Um, Ursa was the one that discovered that Riley had the genes that essentially mark her as a sensei yeah. uh, when she was a little girl. And so she was like, I need you to leave. Um, there are people, you know, in clusters where if, you know, someone in your cluster yeah. dies, it feels horrible and feels like you can't go on. It's like a part of you has died, um, which is kind of a shorthand for how Riley was like, well, that's how I felt up in the mountains. Um, and, or is like, well, y- you're, you know, a danger and, um,
1: well, she's going to leave because yeah, Riley she's like, is not currently leaving. So she's yeah, just like, I'm going to go." I here. have to
0: go. Or I was like, I won't tell anybody about you. She's like, it doesn't matter. It, it's, it's an inevit- inevitability. Yeah, she
1: implies there are, there are ways that they would make Riley tell them somehow.
0: Yeah. Actually, this is the first time she mentions the Cicillium. Mm-hmm thing which is something they get more into the science behind what it means to be a sensate that's more of a season two thing yeah but it's nice to know that they they do actually bring it up in season one and it's essentially a psychic nervous system um, that allows the cluster to kind of trace and connect each other and Urs is essentially saying you know if you go to the hospital because you slip or fall that's you're kind of done because they're going to be able to figure out that you're not
1: Quite normal. right. Yeah. You're not normal. BPO and then will BPO notice. BPO is yeah. going
0: to swoop in and then they're going to take you and they're going to use this part of your brain, the Sicilium, which is the psychic nerve system, to trace your cluster and hunt you guys down. Mm-hmm. So if I'm connected to you, they can find me. So I need to leave. And Riley's like, I'm not going to do that. She's like, it does not matter. It will happen eventually.
1: Which is a scary idea. And yeah. We do get to see how it works. Yes, we do. In season two.
0: And we do. And it is terrifying.
1: Um, The. This is a scene of exposition and yes. stuff, obviously. Yes. I think they they spice it up anyway mm. by giving us our first... Uh, four-way conversation. Yes, four-way, like, multiple...
0: Cluster settings. conversation. Yeah.
1: Cluster conversation, because while Riley is talking to her, so, uh, Will shows up and talks to her, and then while Will's talking to her, Jonas is talking to Will. Yeah. So we have, I guess, Jonas, and he's he's locked up, right? and Yes. He's um, being monitored. In his hospital-looking area, mm-hmm. and Will is visiting there, yeah. and Riley and Will are talking uh, where Will is and where Riley is in her yes. house. Or is she in the cave She's still? in the cave, she's but she's, the also cave. Yeah, she's also in Ursa's house. Yeah, she's also in house. Yeah. So it's a bit it's confusing. It's a lot going on. But it's
0: essentially Riley and Will can talk to each other, and they are essentially translating uh, what Jonas yeah. and Ursa are saying to each other, because Jonas and Ursa can't <laughs> see each other, and they can't see... Um, Ursa can't see Jonas, and she can't see Will. So Riley has to, you know, talk through that.
1: But she can, of course, see Riley talk to Will, uh, but she can't see Will talk to Jonas Yes. at all.
0: And then same for Will. So Will can see Riley, and he can see Jonas, because they're connected, but he cannot see Ursa.
1: It's like you get um, 100% of the conversation with the person you're with. Yeah. uh, You get 50%. Because you can hear one side of it, like yeah. the other one. And then on the far end, you can't hear any of it at all. Yeah. It's I, very bizarre. It's one of my favorite bits, because mm. I just love the way it's done, where she sees, you know, oh, I see, you like this boy, yes. don't you? And then Jonas is like... And then you get this, like, this back and forth, where uh, she's saying, like, this is the most disgusting thing And narcissistic possible. thing. Yeah, and Jonas is like... True it's the love purest. between sensates is yeah. beautiful.
0: Yeah, it's like Jonas and Urza are on the outskirts of this conversation, both like physically with how the sensate communication thing works, but also in terms of like the spectrum and like ideology of how they feel about sensates. So Jonas is all gung-ho like, "Ooh, you really like this girl." And you know, he rambles on about him, Angelica believing that like sensates experience the most pure love mm-hmm. when they find love in a cluster because they can feel each other's emotions. And then Urs is at the opposite end of that, being like, "This is pathological, and this is yeah. really not okay." Um,
1: and uh, of course, she also discovers that it's Jonas yes. uh, they're talking to, and she is not a fan yes. of Jonas.
0: Yeah, and it is revealed um, to Riley that uh, Jonas used to work for BPO, and him, his cluster, which included Angelica. Um, would birth other clusters and then help BPO hunt them down. And so this is like throws a wrench in the whole new thing with Jonas because up until this point you know he's being hunted. You Mm -hmm. know he probably out of everybody in this story has the most answers for the new Sense8 cluster for our main 8 characters. He is the one that you know they have to kind of inherently trust because he's the one giving them all the information and so I'll send to hear that hey, he might actually not be a great guy. He's actually working for that, that company that is evil and hunting you down. And you don't know if that information is still up to date or not, but it is at least like mm-hmm. something that's in his past history.
1: Well, just the idea that he is hiding things is a bit of a shock because you see him as the guy that gives all the answers. Yes, up. exactly. Um, I think it's interesting that when I f- saw this the first time, or I guess as long as the first season was the only thing that existed. Yeah. I thought of it sort of like, oh, it sounds like Jonas must have been doing something for some reason that we'll understand later. Right. Whereas it actually gets a little bit more ambiguous afterwards in season two. You feel much more like, actually, maybe Jonas... Maybe like, Jonas is Maybe he great. did something, yeah. He's a
0: very mercurial character, and it's difficult. Up until this point, it was pretty... You could be pretty confident where his um, loyalties lied, and now it's not so clear so it does make uh, the, the scenes from here on out with him a little bit more tense because there's that undercurrent of like is he telling the truth is he actually helping them out or is he kind of manipulating uh-huh. them um, so that's fun but it is important to uh, point out that Ursa kind of like drags Riley away and is like don't ever contact yeah. that boy again because if you do and he's connected to Jonas That means there's a matter of time before Whispers finds you because Whispers works for BPO and he is going to hunt you down. And Jonas helped him at some point. So um, a scary little thought there. I actually had someone point out to me in uh, Ursa's apartment there is a painting that looks a lot like Whispers. It's Mm -hmm. kind of a more like impressionist, almost caricature painting. So it might not be him. So I was keeping an eye out for it. And it does look quite a bit like him. It's interesting. Which is very interesting if that is the case. Because then it it begs the question of like, well, you know what he looks like. And I think you're able to know what whispers looks like without having him, you know, hunt you or connect Mm -hmm. to you. Which is obviously true because that is the case with Nomi and Amanita with the whole Niles Bulger zombie thing. Yeah. Is they, they know what he looks like and they've also seen pictures of him online but um, it just kind of taps into the idea that there's a bigger network of sensates and how they connect to mm-hmm. one another is really interesting because they connect differently within their cluster and then without you know, outside of it. Which again is also a lot of uh, the storyline for season 2. So, mm-hmm. a lot of stuff is being thrown our way with their with Riley and Will's conversation.
1: So, um, does Will do anything else this episode?
0: I don't think so. He mainly just talks to Jonas. And then uh, Jonas does tell him once Riley leaves uh, their little visitation, Jonas tells uh, Will, you can't let her stay in Iceland. They do a lot of genetic research mm-hmm. and she's not safe there. BPO has like a facility there essentially. And he says this. Right before Ursa reveals to Riley that he used to he used to work for BBO, BPO. Yeah. So it's a it's kind of again they're conflicting stories and you're not quite sure who to listen to. So uh, no, I think the only other important thing that happens with Will before Jonas visits is he's starting to have dreams and flashbacks with um, Sarah and Angelica, mm-hmm. and they whisper to him kind of in his nightmares about whisper not to look. At him um, So they're they're kind of setting that whole thing up Of yeah, Hey he can hunt you through people And how who you're connected to and So don't look at him
1: Yeah well they mentioned that a few episodes Yeah, either,
0: too. But it, it's like a creepy horror <laughs> sequence mm-hmm.
1: um, I'm just realizing I think earlier I said uh, There was a scene between Sun and Cafius Which yeah. is not correct uh, it's between Obviously it's Riley and Kaffias Yeah
0: I was going to say I don't think Sun does much in this episode except see her father.
1: I think is, uh, you know, they have their whole special thing going, they so do. I guess it a little confusing. Yeah, I mixed him up. It's okay. But that is related to Riley, who actually, now that I think about it, gets a lot of material this episode she too. She does. Because um, she is gonna head off to.
0: Yeah, so she uh, does the caves. Cemetery. And then she talks to Sven. Yeah. He drives her to a graveyard. Um, I briefly tells her that you know. Her dad and him visit a lot. Um, and his dad or her dad plays music, which is very sweet. And then he was telling her how one time he didn't it was like a bad day, the weather, he just didn't wanna go, he was tired, he says, I don't wanna visit and He's like, Why do you why do you still wanna go? It doesn't do them any good because you know they're dead whoever he's talking about it hasn't been revealed yet and then uh, he says you know what your father said to me your father says he didn't do it for them he did it whenever he missed you and you're just like oh my god and so they go to the graveyard and Riley sits in front of one of the graves it is revealed to be not explicitly her husband
1: at least obviously her long term partner presumably husband yes yes well, I don't remember what don't his last know. name is.
0: It's long and unpronounceable.
1: It's not it? the same. No. Yeah. I don't remember how they do that in Iceland, though, yeah, to be honest.
0: Yeah, this is true. But she's sitting at this grave, and she's talking to him, and she's crying and apologizing that, you know, she wasn't there for the funeral, but she, she, and she wanted to visit, but she just couldn't do it. Um, and, and there is
1: a shot of, uh, <laughs> of the other grave. Yes. Of... But uh, before
0: that, there's a, a flashback of little Riley without her dyed hair. Oh yes, yes. Um yes, And with, I think his name is
1: Magnus? Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: Uh, is the guy who's dyed, and he comes waltzing in very romantic, on like literally on a horse. And it's very cute and sweeping, and it's such a stark contrast, not just in terms of, like, physically how Riley looks now yes well she looks then.
1: suspiciously British in yes the past she does with brown hair
0: shocking but. <laughs> um but it, it's also like you've never seen Riley that happy before yeah and so uh that leads her to kind of talk to the grave about being like I don't know who I am anymore because that life with you I'm a c- I was a completely different person and now I can't get that back and then that kind of pivots to the next grave next to it. And now,
1: I think in our defense, you see that grave for like two seconds.
0: It's pretty quick.
1: And uh, you might not catch the date, which is the same day for birth and death. The birth and death, yes. Which would make it obvious that it is a baby. Yes. But But for some reason,
0: you and I did not pick up on this the very first time we watched it all the way through. I just, I guess it's also because, like, she sees a grave and then there's the flashback of the guy who
1: was dead. Yeah, she's talking about him. If you missed that, you could easily take it to be a, all about him. Yes. It's not like Which anything is what she I says is not.
0: Well, the only thing she says is she's like, I wanted to have so many, like a big, a family, big family with you. you. yeah. But we were stupid and just for <laughs> some reason didn't pick up on that. Even after there's the discussion with like Ursa and, and they do the flashback of Riley in the mountains with the same colored hair. It's dark the same way it is when, you know, they do the flashback with Magnus. And she's holding a baby, and it's just like, oh, God, why didn't we make that connection?
1: (laughs) I'm trying to remember this now, because she talks to Kavius here, but a lot of this scene is by herself before that happens. Yes. So what does she actually tell him?
0: Well, they're talking about... uh, Because he was kind of been her guide to Iceland. Because she's, uh, you know, he's on the plane with her when she's headed in, and she's terrified and says, you know what if something terrible happens? And he says, but what if something wonderful happens? And then she, she's scared because, you know, she hasn't seen her father in so long. And he's like, I wish I could see my dad. Mm-hmm. And so they do kind of have this like familial bond of, you know, having to leave people behind because of trauma. Um, and so that kind of comes up again because she, while she's at the graveyard, she just kind of gets so overwhelmed that she ends up in Nairobi um, on his bus. And he's like, How's Iceland? Mm-hmm. And she just kind of looks at me. He's like, you'd rather be here. And she nods. And so he kind of visits the yeah. grave with her. And she talks about... she. That's how you get the episode title. She says, death doesn't let you say goodbye. Mm-hmm. It just carves holes in your life. And then he talks to her about, like, I understand. You know, there's a lot of... I've had some really difficult decisions in my past. And then it, it does a flashback where coffee is, has to tell the story of how him and his mom had to give up his sister because they didn't have enough food and so they had to give her away to the nuns and he treated it almost like a death because he was never really going to get to grow up with her and it's like I, I treated her as if she died but our decision helped her live
1: yeah. in another way she lived Yeah. which always makes me think since he's talking to Riley you know, she must be thinking That analogy doesn't work as well for my situation. Not at all. Not at all. (laughs) Because in a way they're dead, but in another way they're also dead. However, he does pivot it to saying, "This is about how endings can also serve as beginnings," which is more relevant to Riley. Yes. I think. Yeah. And how she's trying to get to that point where she can feel like she's, you know, Riley 2.0 instead of feeling like she's just like. Stuck the somewhere. epilogue of old Riley stuck hanging around London, not wanting to come back to Iceland, but not wanting to go anywhere else either and right. live a new life. Yeah. Because I think by the dates, if I remember right, I think it says 2008 on the gravestone. So she's, it's been like seven years, I think, yeah since this has happened. Yeah. And I think she probably left. Pretty soon after. Oh yeah, well she doesn't. I
0: believe she didn't even stay for the funeral because I think this is her first time visiting the graves. She's
1: been out DJing and living the the life for quite a while. Escaping through
0: drugs and music. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, so it's a it's very again another emotional conversation uh, with a lot of backstory. Um, So yeah, we get some backstory from Naomi. We get some backstory a little bit for Riley um, and Coffius. And they're all tragic, and yet it's really interesting to see. Obviously, it's not fair to put their tragedy on a spectrum mm. and be like, well, this person had a more difficult life than this person. But it is interesting to see that, like, how the characters deal with just trauma in general. I mean, Nomi, it's helped her finally kind of almost break free and move forward and live the life she wants to live after realizing it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And with Kofias, it's kind of the same thing where he he kind of just unfortunately had to learn to let go and just assume the best and know that that was the best decision they could make yeah. in the moment to help his sister stay alive and thrive. And with Riley, she's stuck.
1: And uh, Lito has not made had a to make decision that yet. decision because he's spent his whole life avoiding making that decision. Exactly.
0: So... Um, They're very, very tough scenes. Um, And I really like Coffey's. I think he's almost underrated in this episode just because there are so many big emotional moments. But, yeah, for him, it's just, again, one of those things where I think we talked about it in the previous episode. um, Where his mom is clearly pregnant. (laughs) And it just it kind of registers in the back of your mind mm-hmm. like oh she's pregnant but where's the kid and like it's a payoff in well, this it's a episode flashback, so yeah
1: she's obviously just pregnant with coffee is, is probably what i thought
0: no no no. it's when she i her know and coffee i is know leaving. it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense but
1: you're like his mom it's the past uh obviously at some point she had to be pregnant and, no. <laughs> and it's like oh yeah coffee is right there
0: yeah that doesn't work <laughs> yeah so um, and it does also explain, I think, how strong of a bond that coffee has with his mom because they were they. They've been through a t- lot. They've been through a lot and they've had to sit together in order to, you know, survive. And they care for mm. one another. They've been through a lot of really tough decisions <laughs> and hard times. So, um, yeah, that's a nice and sad, good downbeat. There. It was a
1: good showcase for coffee as, as the optimistic, sensate. Yeah. Uh, he comes in last in this big tour of sad stories yes and by the time he gets to Riley's it's pretty depressing yeah uh, he kind of brings it back up with his sad things it can lead to good happy things, things yeah. good things message yeah um so it's good that he's at the end there agreed
0: uh, uh, i'm trying to think we've got
1: mccall and wolfgang are the, yeah. the big what are they doing
0: uh not much Wolfgang gets to have a fun little meeting with his uncle. Yeah. Uh, His uncle visits him, reaffirms those really awful five rules that Mr. Papa Wolfgang set up.
1: I really like his uncle in that scene.
0: His uncle's good. And it's great because his uncle's like, hey, do you remember those five things your dad came up with? Well, I've narrowed it down to one. And (laughs) it's called revenge. (laughs) And I want revenge. All I want was the revenge on the man who killed you know, my brother and your your father.
1: Who could it be? Who, who did could it? it
0: be, guys? We just don't know at this point. But <laughs> we gotta do. Anyway, um, he pretty much threatens Wolfgang. More or less and says, like, I am sympathetic to you yeah. with Felix. Felix is like a brother to you. And I love you, Wolfgang. But don't make me choose between you and my son, a.k.a. crazy cousin who shot Felix.
1: <laughs> what I really like about that scene is that... I. Do feel in a weird way, like it's true that he yeah. cares about him.
0: Oh, I don't think he's lying. Like to he him.
1: probably likes him more than his son too. Well, I mean, seem that's a like pretty low son. bar though, because yeah. his
0: son is so crappy.
1: It's very this pragmatic thing of like, I like you Wolfgang, like you're res- basically better than my son. I respect, I respect you. I respect you. Yeah. But like, you should know that you know you're still gonna have to die. If something doesn't, I have to choose my son.
0: Yeah. Exactly. What can I do? Yeah. So I think that's pretty much the only scene with Wolfgang, is they're setting that up. Yeah. It's a tense visit with his uh, his uncle. And then um, Kala is also dealing with the fallout of Papaji getting yeah. stabbed to death, but not to death. But it looks like it. Well,
1: there's a good moment for Rajan there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So uh, Kala's at the hospital, and the police are interrogating her. And Rajan is by her side being very supportive. And the police are... Digging and real being nosy, real nosy. <laughs> I mean, it's it, at first it starts off as like, oh, they're doing their job, but then it gets into really like uncomfortable territory where they're like really or,
1: judgmental, really yeah. judgmental where
0: they're like, um, what did you guys talk about at the temple? And she's like, a private matter, and he's like, did you know that uh, we've heard that you, you know we
1: heard uh, that he was a bad guy, basically.
0: they're pretty much saying, <laughs> like, hey, we know that you go to the temple a lot' And you made a bunch of offerings to the temple. Did you know that Babaji was someone who was trying to push a law where that would be made illegal now? You know, they're really pushing on her being like, did you know that there were this and this? And and Rajan steps out and he he was just like, "Um, my dad had death threats. And... Th- this is entirely, like, inappropriate questioning, line of questioning for my fiance. They're like, these are just standard questions. And he's like, no, no, no. If you want to continue this line of questioning, uh, you get to, you know, be in the presence of my, our lawyer when uh-huh. you do this. So he kind of scares him off, and Kala is really upset, not only because she's just witnessed this crime, but she turns to Raja and she's like, do they think I have something to do with this? Which she clearly doesn't. And, it, and then he's just like absolutely not like my dad had no right to be going to the temple he had death threats there he had many enemies and one of them is he's very outspoken about police corruption so obviously these officers are not inclined to help um you know they they obviously want to get to the bottom of it but they are investigating you know an, an attempted murder on a guy that they don't really like mm-hmm. so um is, is kind of having to deal with that and the stress of that. And then on top of that, she has to, you know, come to terms with it. well, I'll, And she'll talk about it in the next episode you know, with, with her, her own dad. dad. Yeah. Well, right before, you know, this attack, Papa Papaji took away her Papaji. G. Papaji?
1: G? I don't know his name. Rajan's that, dad. That just means dad.
0: Yeah. So she's dealing with the stress of the attack, but on top of that, she has to figure out whether or not she wants to tell Rajan that his father was trying to call off the wedding and take away his blessing. Because um, he doesn't think they are a good match anymore and they shouldn't get married. And it's it's kind of a a tough decision because it's like, hey, you know, this is yet another way out of the marriage. Mm -hmm. It's under horrible circumstances. And it's really... Rajan's father was trying to take the decision out of her hands, but because of this attack, the decision has fallen back into her lap. Yeah, and um, you know, it's it's kind of a, a tricky situation, but uh, it pretty much ends with uh, Rajan's mom asking Kala to come in and pray with her, and explaining how, like, you know, she really loves her husband. She used to be a bigger believer, um, and would go to a temple a lot, and her husband kind of put a stop to that. But mm-hmm. I- now she you know, she still believes and has a, a sense of comfort in it and so Kala joins her for that. And um yeah, that's pretty much Kala's thing.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much her. Yeah. And uh just son. So yeah. I think son's only scene is with um her father. Her dad. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so her uh they let her know she has a visitor. It's her dad. Her dad comes in and pretty much says like well, I don't deserve you as a daughter. You're (laughs) wonderful, and my life really has not had much meaning since your mother died. I'm a businessman, and I should have essentially been a better dad and recognized what a a wonderful daughter that I had. But
1: I'll do it now. But I'll do
0: it now. I'm going to complain to the authorities about your brother, and we're going to get you out of jail because this isn't right.
1: I think uh, that actor does a really good job because... I mean obviously he's not as bad as her her brother as yeah. a person but he hasn't done anything to make you like him the whole show. Yeah. Uh and in this one scene he's able to make you feel like he is feels really bad and yeah. like uh he, he is better than you thought he yeah, was. Yeah, it
0: feels like a believable change of heart, mm-hmm. which is not easy to do in just one scene because he he already hasn't been in the show that much and um he has you know if you look at the circumstances, he has allowed his daughter to take the fall for him and his son. Yeah. And to be like, and after she has even mentioned and it's been showcased that she is not treated well by her family or this company for him to be like, wait a second, I'm wrong. That's kind of a heavy feat to be able to pull off. And he does it. I feel like, Mm -hmm. because you can tell that he is like, you said a businessman and and he kind of struggles and is uncomfortable. And, um, I think, it's made even more evident that like her mother and his wife had a huge impact on him as a person and once she was gone I don't think he really knew how to cope with mm-hmm. having a daughter and so you know he is <laughs> a little too late trying to make amends but the fact is, is he has decided to do the right thing and also I feel like it's cheating when Duna Bay cries so when <laughs> she does in this scene she gets teared up and you're just like damn it so yeah, it's a, it's a good, that's a really good scene. Yeah. These are all very like emotional scenes it's that heavy. are going to, yeah. the heavy, heaviest episode really. Um, I feel like that is pretty much it. It is pretty much it. But it is quite a lot. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, it's, there's a lot of emotional stuff. There's a lot of really important plot with BPO and how aids work, um, it's a lot.
1: And, you know, it's all going to be compensated for by the next one. A shit one, ton of action. Which is one of the most big, crazy ones. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: I, th- I think this is the last, like, kind of pause before everything happens. Yeah. Um, obviously, they're all... All of these, you know, next couple episodes are clearly just um, driving towards the finale. But this is the one where I think you actually get some time, and rightfully so, to just kind of sit with the actors and sit with the characters.
1: Well, you could probably suggest that this is the last episode like that ever, really. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to see when you get there, but I remember thinking in season two that they made an effort to have a big moment cliffhangery thing in every episode, pretty much, mm-hmm. so it never slowed down this much. Yeah. Maybe, like, the Christmas special. Yeah. It's, it's so long and...
0: Relaxed pace. It
1: does feel a little bit like this, but other than that, this is pretty much it for um, the last moment where nothing really big is happening Mm -hmm. in the present during the episode.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: I guess especially because uh, once we get to the end of season one, there's never going to be a time where some of them aren't in present danger essentially. Yeah. Yeah.
0: True. So, uh, all right. MVP.
1: MVP. This is very tricky for this me. This is really hard. I've been thinking a lot about who's gonna get it next time, yeah. who's gotten it before, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. Like I really want to give it to Lido because that scene at the end is, is hilarious. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, Lido is still kind of in the doghouse for. Oh, he's not absolutely being, you know, in the doghouse. Not being If only great. for that beginning scene That's with true.
0: bartender you bastard. It makes you
1: forget through it his does. other scenes.
0: I know it's not okay. Um, um,
1: so what do you think?
0: Um, I'm inclined to give it to Nomi just for that whole sequence where she's, uh, meeting Lido and explaining the horrible things that happened to her in the swim
1: club. It seems like a Nomi episode in a way.
0: I think, I mean, like you said, I think she kind of pulls it out from under him in that scene. Yeah. Well, um, she
1: and Kofius both serve the role of, like, the person that comes in and for says... For comfort,
0: but is also, like, you can you can move past this and move yeah, forward. Yeah, to yeah. To encourage. Uh, yeah, I would almost give it to her and Kofius, <laughs> which I'm not allowed to do. I know I
1: gave it to Nomi for episode seven, but I could give it to her for here, too.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I really like... Because Nomi's is kind of like a big uh, anthemic speech of, like... Mm-hmm this is what happened to me and this is how I moved on and she has a really good um I don't know I feel like she'd be a really good speech maker (laughs) (laughs) because she'll say stuff like you know that that swim club made my father the man he is but it made me the woman I am type of a thing and I really like that because it really sticks with you but on the flip side I really like coffees because it isn't as big and showy that's true it's almost um it's no less complicated, but the delivery is very simple, and I feel like sometimes that's a, a really big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm flip flopping. Can we give it to both of them? I'll take Nomi.
1: You can take Coffee. Okay,
0: I'll take Coffee. as fun. I like it. Um, who do you want for side character? A
1: side character? Yeah. Oh, I just don't know. I mean, to barely shows up at the I end. I know. This is that's the thing. This episode is a heavy bunch of conversations between the main sensates yeah there isn't really a lot of room
0: i mean i give it to rajan just because he is once again showing what a good person he is by defending kala and also comforting her in a very difficult time that should be very difficult for him Um, but he's very um logical and realistic and although it's a very upsetting situation, he is very upfront with, like, my father should not have been there. You cannot put this blame on Kala. This is not her fault. He should have known better. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll go from there. So I'll give it to him.
1: Mm, I like Hernando enough that I'm tempted to give it to him just for showing up in a flashback. Ah,
0: oh, that's true.
1: And talking about Diego Rivera. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which feels unfair because he's not even doing anything.
0: I mean, to be fair, in our last one, we did give it to Baby Felix. And Felix was in a coma the whole time.
1: That's true. So you but could do it. Baby Felix is also...
0: Baby Felix. ...a
1: man of action. True. And he <laughs> oh got a lot done. hmm
0: <laughs> You can give it to Renando. That's a really good pick. It's making me kind of regret choosing... I will give Roger. it to Renando. That's good. Yes, I will. He also has some really great lines, too, about like, art and love and... Sticking it to the man as sticking well. Sticking it to the yeah. man. Yeah. To Rockefeller. <laughs> I know. That was interesting. Um, And one-off characters.
1: One-off characters. I uh. I did like the scene actually with Wolfgang's uncle just for a... Mm. I think he's good in it. Yes. I um, think he's a very good actor. He's subtly menacing. Yeah. It's like a contrast to Wolfgang's cousin <laughs> who is not subtle. No. Um...
0: And also not super menacing.
1: No, no, he's a little too much to be truly menacing. Yeah, I think that's a that's a pretty great scene for yeah. for him.
0: Uh, what I like about well, we, I think we've talked about this before in uh, earlier episodes, is when um. When Wolfgang talks to his uncle, and his uncle is saying like, a safe got cracked, and um. They're kind of making... Later at a club, uh, Felix and Wolfgang are kind of making fun of his uncle for being like, I'm so annoyed with my son complaining. And and uh, Felix starts <laughs> shouting about diamonds and, and Wolfgang shuts him up. And he, and he says, like, he's not an idiot. He's watching us. And I think, as we mentioned before, the thing that I, I appreciate about his uncle is, like you said, he's menacing, but he doesn't seem so. He's subtle about mm. it. So you never feel super tense and on edge with him and you almost are kind of like felix in the sense of like oh he's not that scary of a dude but when you should be feeling like wolfgang being like you should take him seriously he can actually do a lot of damage Mm -hmm. and this is a nice showcase for the uncle with that where you know he's charismatic and relatable and clearly like respects wolfgang but he's very upfront about being like, I'm not going to, like, if I have to choose, I'm not choosing you. Yeah. So, yeah, he's scary.
1: That's good. I like that one. I'll take that one.
0: Yeah. I am going to do The Bartender.
1: That's a good answer.
0: Yeah, uh, I am, uh, spoilers, he does come back. Thank God, because he deserves the world's biggest apology he from Leto for that. Um, I really enjoy him because I feel like, uh... Uh, Lido's life is pretty insular. He he only really gets like, Hernando and Lido. Or sorry, he only really gets Hernando and Danny. <laughs> and obviously there's you know some fringe people with like the the business career side of his life with the director and some of the actors. But you don't really get to see him uh, that much in a setting where he's not at work or is not at home, and um and he's talking to characters uh, that don't really know who he is. Um, like the real Alito, more or less, in season one. Um, so it is nice to see him outside of both those environments struggling and then having the bartender come and talk to him. Um, I really like the bartender. I think he's cute. He's charismatic. And um, I just feel so bad for him.
1: Uh-huh. He
0: made an impression. It looks like he also makes really strong drinks, so <laughs> I will give him credit for that.
1: Yeah. And... What's the best scene?
0: Ah, uh, the best scene? I think the most impressive technical scene is probably the four-way conversation between, like, Jonas, Will, Riley, and uh, Ursa. I, I think... D- I think the best, obviously, probably the best scene is in the museum. Yeah, though. I think
1: the museum is one of the m- most memorable scenes in the show, yeah. really. Yeah.
0: It's well shot, but it's the dialogue is kind of... Yeah, very over like very sentimental, but also incredibly yeah. gut wrenching.
1: Uh, to me, it's a, a show that feels very confident with itself mm-hmm. in that scene. Yeah, uh, it goes on for so long, and it's so relaxed in what it's doing, and just letting the two of them sit there together and talk. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, even though Sensei does do that kind of thing a lot, it often spends more time, I guess, cutting around a little more because there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um, there aren't that many examples where there's this much time to breathe for them to talk just two people for so long. Yeah. And so it is quite memorable for that reason.
0: Yeah. I like it. Boom. There we go. So that was uh, the sense Slow episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Very
0: good, very moving. And from here on out, we will just, you know, keep jogging along we shall return
1: we shall. next time traumatized oh. by the events of episode 10
0: oh yeah yes. <laughs> not excited okay anyway <laughs> i'm like excited but i'm not
1: i know what my favorite scene is oh, in episode 10
0: no. anyway uh yeah so we will see you guys then we'll talk to you later this has been vicky
1: this is camden
0: and yep bye bye If you guys liked our show, please let us know. You can write and review us on Apple Podcast, and also feel free to contact us on our main website, that one is grumpyoctopusproductions.com, that I'll link you up to all of our social media, you can follow us on Twitter and or like us on Facebook, and you can reach out to us at our email account, that is grumpyoctopusproductions at gmail.com think we're sensing a bit of a trend here. <laughs> um, also on the website, you guys can check out all of our episode and production notes and fun little extras as well. So as always, thanks for listening, loyal listeners. Alrighty, signing off.